This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Good morning, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I am Frank Morano. Well, there are two things that are undeniable truths at this moment. One is I'm a little tired for reasons that I'll get into a bit later. Uh, But two is you are the lucky beneficiary of that fatigue. So I thought what might be fun today is to get uh, three of my favorite guests that we've had in studio for the uh, over the last year and a half or so and put them in studio at the same time because uh, I like to kind of play mad scientist and have different, uh, you know, have different solutions put together and see what explodes. So we have done uh, precisely that. Now, uh, one welcome three people who are no strangers to our audience. Uh, Dr. Judy Kuriansky, clinical psychologist and uh, author of many books and also happens to be my favorite sex therapist. Dr. Judy, uh, how are you? Uh, let's turn Dr. Judy's mic on there if we can. All right. Well, as we work on figuring out Dr. Judy's mic, uh, let me say hello as well to Jeremy Murphy, the founder of 360 Bespoke, which is a respected boutique PR agency and the author of the new book, F Off Chloe, Surviving the OMGs and FMLs in Your Media Career. Welcome back, Jeremy. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's good to see you. And, of course, uh, Marlena Schiavo, veteran media producer, satirist, and social critic. Marlena, you and I are the only two people in the room without a book. Oh, yeah. We well, are I have, the only... well, I mean, yes. well, it's very easy. Yes. I-, I can't believe they gave me one. <laughs> so <laughs> the bar is pretty low. <laughs> Yeah, that, that well, that's is, very encouraging. Thank you. Th- that is for sure. Uh, you know, uh, actually, uh, we may we may end up moving you over there, Doctor Judy. So uh, if there if there are mic issues, we're going to do that. Yeah, okay. Um, sorry about that. Well, we will. It's it'll be for the best for everybody. Uh, Jeremy, if for people that uh, don't remember, you know, the, your your situation, what is F off Chloe? What, what what is that whole book about? What's your whole your whole mantra regarding Generation Zers in the workplace these days? Well, the book is it's about the culture clash between people who have worked in media uh, for years and this new breed of Gen Zers who are very entitled and they want a trophy for coming to work. And so they come to work with their value statement, their brand ready, and they want your job. And they're very woke and they're very specific of their needs. And I find that very humorous. So I, I wrote a book about it. Now, Dr. Judy, I know you're on the faculty at Columbia. Uh, I am. Have, have you noticed that change in generational mentality with any of your students? I actually have, since you took about Gen Z, um, my book from years ago was about generation sex, but it was for the big X. Mm-hmm. And that was America's favorite sex therapist answers all your questions the hottest excuse me not favorite hottest sex therapist answers all your questions about sex um so what i've noticed from teaching for so many years is that a lot of the sex questions and relationship questions haven't changed they've added indeed about all the wokeism all the racial issues all the sexuality has escalated but basically Young people are still worried about their bodies. One boob is smaller than the other. My you-know-what is not, is to the <laughs> moves to the right or the left or it looks like a helmet or something like that. A major questions are similar, only they've gotten more escalated and worse. And so, they're posting it to Instagram. <laughs> yeah, and they're posting it to everything, TikTok. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's so that's... And, and they're posting they're, about it in safe rooms and everything else. And, like, I feel like you, when it comes to, like the workplace and that generation, um, I just feel like they know it all. They deserve it all, and they're they're ready to talk and not willing to listen. Yep. And I feel like I hear every generation of adults complain, make the same complaint about whatever the up and coming generation of young people is, though. They all think that they know it all at, at 18 or 20 or 22. Is there some truth to that? Maybe every 22 no, year old does this know is, it. This is very new. Mm-hmm. You have people coming into the workplace with a pre written value statement. 
Yes. They want to know your carbon footprint. They want to know your stance. These people are interviewing the companies. It used to be the company interviewed you for right. a job. Now they're interviewing the companies and making sure the company is right for them. Well, that's, that's, but this is well, that's basic part of it. narcissism. Absolutely. It's all about me. You know that joke. Now, uh, enough about me. Now, what do you think about me? Uh, Jeremy, right. what, what age group is Generation Z? Are they post-1995? Is that it? Yeah, it's basically like 18, 20, 25, like just getting in. I mean, this is like the last three years is when they came into the workforce. So, Dr. Judy, what is it about that generation that might be more narcissistic? Spoiled, it, totally spoiled. It's not because they grew up with social media, whereas previous generations grew oh, up yes, with television. Oh, yes, definitely social media. I'm I'm absolutely against all of this social media stuff, really, because you know what? Nobody knows how to be romantic anymore. Nobody. Seriously, they do not. Come Nobody. on, admit it. They don't know how to say I love you. They don't know how to treat their partners well. It's all not only all about them, but it's just all about looking at their phone. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to connect. And this mask thing is making things worse because you hide behind your mask. Okay, eyes do speak. There's no question. We can. I'm looking mm-hmm. at your eyes and I'm seeing if they're you know, connecting with me. And by the way, you know uh, that my book was about tantric sex. You know, uh, and See, I'm well, very... Uh, generation okay. Zers have no time for tantric uh, sex. Well, it takes way they, too long. Uh, yeah, well, right, you yeah. see. Um, but that's they need to learn that. So it is about the eyes for tantric sex because you do connect with the eyes and you look into the soul. So that's good about the fact that we now have just our eyes. Yeah, but if you look eyes. at someone now, you'll get fired because they'll say you're, you're, you have a microaggression and they'll oh, call yes. HR. Oh, exactly. There you go. Right. There you you go. can't look at anybody. You can't but talk you about see, tantric sex either. Right. You can't even yes. guess someone's pronoun yeah. right now. So, I mean, to talk about well, sex. <laughs> you know, I went to Smith College. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> it, is, it, is, it has changed over time. In my day, we there were some of the girls, not myself, who used to constantly dress in, and I said girls because we were girls back then, in black, simple black dresses and pearls. And I'm sure some of your listeners know that that era. Okay, then the rest of us were sort of more rebellious. But over the years when I went back to campus, you ready for this? You'll love this. So um, I was walking on campus and seeing, wow, this has really changed the way people are dressing. And then someone pointed out to me and said, don't refer to that person over there as her or she or anything. That's it. It? Not yes. a they? They, right? No, no, the... not it, they. It. You're kidding. No. Wow. That That's was a new the one. name of, like, Prince. You wasn't know, that being a, a symbol. Wasn't that, was that a horror movie, Stephen King? <laughs> That's right. That was <laughs> the <laughs> killer clown. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. But I'm just explaining that to you to say how far advanced we've gone. To I see. How right. You... Now it is the worst thing you could call someone. I wouldn't use advanced, I would... actually. <laughs> no. <laughs> we, no, yeah, we are tumbling okay, downhill I'm right woke. now. <laughs> we, we are swimming in a pool of participation trophies. Yeah, and... Exactly. And retrogression. Oh. Yeah. yeah All right, exactly. uh, there are two other generations questions I want to bring up with uh, with each of you. Uh, apparently now, according to uh, a story in uh, Business Insider, that what they refer to as geriatric millennials <laughs> are winning at work. The oldest millennials are right now the best off age group in terms of employment. They are the only cohort among six age groups that is at or above pre-pandemic employment. Apparently, they also have a skill set that is very valuable in terms of bridging the generational divide between the Generation Xers and the Generation Zers. I, I can I can hear you rolling your <laughs> eyes, Marlene. No, but it's true. No, it is true because I sort of fall. I mean, I'm Gen X, but they would call me a, like a younger Gen X, right? And then I have friends now that are elder millennials. And it, th- this group of people, they were very unique because we remember a time before social media and ah, we also uh, live in a world of social media. So we get both ends of that spectrum, especially those of us who live in, work in the media, right? So there's that aspect. And then you've got a, a whole generation of people who now have kids and that mm. they, and they need jobs where like today you don't have to just wake up and get on TikTok because you have nothing else and no other responsibilities, right? So, and then some of these people 
even have some older kids who started earlier and have these TikTokers and they understand that world too. So they, they have their hands, we have our hands in many different areas of life. So I do believe that's why we are that successful or they're saying. You fall into this age group at 35 to 40. Technically, to I am one year older than the 44. I, I am 45, but I'm considered a gen at the young end of young gen. Young at heart. Oh, right. There you go. Speaking uh, about dads, okay, I brought you a gift. For oh, your baby. my. That's awfully nice. <laughs> right. All right. All right. There, well, I don't you want to should, make, no, But it speaks. Want, okay. So, Speaks, you okay. you should really you know it's not just like a blob. Do I open this now or, or wait until? No, technically you're an elder millennial. Talk while we're chit chatting. Right. This here. is an elder millennial right here. Yeah. You can this, this now is, oh, look oh, at that. Boy. Now it's a, it's a unicorn. It, it is a unicorn. It's also pink. A, I like which, pink. Which is the magic. I know you have a boy, but this, okay. we're being. Okay. I'm being yeah. woke. You're being woke. This is color neutral. Oh, okay. So it's a unicorn. Uh, that hides itself with a blanket. Let me hold it up to the microphone so everybody can see it. Hello, Let it ladies. Hear it. I was joking. That's because HR That's is funny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's, it's, it continues to talk. You're, you're shutting it up before it's finished. Well, I'd, I mean, as right. much as I'd like to talk okay. to the talking I, unicorn, I, I'd much I rather hear from the three of you. <laughs> um, but talk, talk to the hand. I'm going to put the unicorn away. But on behalf of young Carmine, I thank you. But the reason I love that, not only because it's adorable, cuddly, it's still talking. So are you, though. Uh, You're mic'd and he's not. I know. But I'm explaining to you why, as a psychologist that I am, a a professor, it's still talking. I I hear him. I hear him. (laughs) He's going to go for a while. Okay. It it has the blanket, the pink blanket it pulls up to hide itself because babies love this idea that something is hidden and then it's exposed because they like the idea that you could see mommy and then mommy goes away and they panic. Mm. <gasps> Mommy's gone away. And then, oh, no, mommy's back. It teaches them about security. This is like a it. psychological principle. Thank but you. why do you think people go, they cover their eyes, right? And they go like this. And then they go, boo, and they open their eyes, right? I just don't open my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> that is the principle of learning that things cannot be in your sight but they don't leave you and therefore you feel more secure because everybody grows up with abandonment like <gasps> nobody loves me I'm all by myself but that's what you learn in the jack in the box who, did, who had a jack in the box I had when a they jack were jack still have one okay that, they, everybody raised their hand that's the principle of the jack in the box I, I like it a lot uh, very quickly though Jeremy um, do you believe this this employment data that shows this age group 35 to 44 year olds plus Marlena are sort of the <laughs> <laughs> generational whisperers, that they're the ones that can interpret that both the preceding generation yep. and Absolutely. the next one for everybody else. Absolutely, because they're right in the middle. And How do you treat the millennials in your book, this uh, age group? Well, I, I used to have such disdain for millennials, and then I learned about Gen Zers. I see. <laughs> so millennials are great. The Gen Zers I have contempt for. What generation is your favorite in terms of the, the workplaces? The Gen Xers? Yeah. The baby boomers? I think Gen X, because when I got into you know the workforce it was like okay the people before me ruined it you know and so we picked up the pieces all right uh dr judy the uh, i'm a baby boomer myself so i'm like uh, respect your elders here well your generation built the country like the gracious and baby boomers i really feel the flower children I'm a flower child. No, baby boomer and flower. Two yes, different no, generations. No, they're not. Oh, I'm a yes, flower they are. Child. Are you kidding? I went to the Summer of Love in San Francisco and to Woodstock. And what do you think? Wherever you go, it, it, it's always the Summer of Love. It doesn't have to be <laughs> at San Francisco. It's definitely the age of Aquarius. Uh, speaking of- I am an Aquarian, as a matter of fact. Is that I'm true? Not- I, yes, and we are very distinctively Aquarians, humanitarians, really. Absolutely, you could write the book on uh, – right now, The those of us in this, um, you know, Aquarian age are – Devoted to people, changing the world, making the world a better place, love everybody, but keep people at slightly, you know, a little bit of distance. But that's true of every Aquarian. Aquarians and Scorpios, I find, are really idiosyncratic. Scorpios, (gasps) be careful. They could bite any time. They'll just like strike at you and send this little spike at you. The others are kind of a little muddier. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, you know, let me play for all three of you this piece of uh, of audio. This is uh, two radio announcers that were apparently fired for body shaming Ooh. after being caught uh, in a hot mic moment. If people haven't heard about this, they, they were they were calling a high school girls basketball game, yeah. and uh, th- this is what was heard. Oh, thank you, boys. Easton has two girls out here extremely overweight. Yes. Mm. Awful. How come you don't get uniforms if you're the girls? <laughs> Look at this one. This girl right here. Wow. Look at her. Wow. 52 to 10. Yeah. Yeah. What do we got a game on here? Oh, this is the uh, JV game. So Jim Carter and Steve Shaw, they criticized girls on two basketball teams for their weight. And they talked about finding uniforms that fit the girls. And apparently they didn't know they were, be- they were being broadcast. So now a main radio station has fired these two announcers for body shaming. Uh, that just happened on Thursday. They were watching a live stream of this varsity basketball game, and then they went on this sort of rant. Uh, you think this is something that's a fireable offense these days? Um, no. It, it, I mean, I think it's a punishable offense. I don't know if it's worth Absolutely. leaving your job yeah. over. Um, you know, it's offensive, and I have, a do- I have two daughters. So, like, oh. I would be so angry at this but i would mm. want them sort of suspended for a little bit yeah. uh, for a little while but to take away their livelihoods because they're saying things that other people say that don't have a live mic in front of them mm. you know it's 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 one of these things where they just made a really stupid mistake well, what do you think jeremy i think it was crass but i absolutely agree with you yeah and you know the body shaming thing to me like i'm overweight and i know Let's i see. am i'm not <laughs> posting stuff on Instagram and you know when, when someone does that maybe shouldn't and someone says that's not healthy maybe you shouldn't that's not body shaming right that's like the whole thing that happened with uh, Jillian Michaels and the whole Lizzo thing right. you know, like she's like I'm glad that she's confident but this is just I'm telling you from a health perspective this isn't healthy it's not healthy not, not I mean we're kind of going on a tangent because that's not what these guys were doing they were basically mm. just saying these girls didn't look good but um you know yeah, yeah, but I yes, we agree. They should have not left it. What do you think, Judy? Do you think, Doctor Judy? You think they should have it's lost a their job? Extreme to lose their job, but Absolutely. they could have been suspended for a period of time. They needed to be punished in yeah, some way to show that this is not publicly acceptable. acceptable. Yeah. Um, and speaking about bodies, I, I find it very interesting. How many of you think that Megan Fox, the actress, is like drop dead gorgeous? I think she's very attractive. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, drop dead gorgeous. Uh, Megan yeah, I mean, Fox. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Drop dead gorgeous. We all agree. Right. Okay. She suffers. She is admitted from body dysmorphia. You know what that is? Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's when you hate your body. Mm -hmm. Absolutely despise your body. Dis meaning uh, the negative and morphia being body. So here's this beautiful woman, you know, who uh, thinks that she's terribly flawed so in terms of, like, people's body stuff, um, everybody has their own image of what's too much, what's, what's overweight, what's not, what's ugly, what's imperfections. I mean, I deal with this for years on the radio, no, for I, years when people were calling all about that. I said earlier all about their body parts, you know, I, I and will their say, looks and, and how I, they I look. I think it's terrible that she or anybody has, uh, what do you call body dysmorphia? Body dysmorphia. Yeah. Look how smart you well, are. Well, I pay attention you when you guys so speak. That's smart. it. But I right. will say, I will say, though, that if you're trying to date a more attractive woman, and I imagine this applies to other genders, same gender, uh, or, you know, whichever – um, and she has body dysmorphia. It's a lot easier to punch outside of your weight class <laughs> than if she has a, a fair sense of where of where she is on the uh, on the scale of. How are of you going to ask? How are you going to find out? Exactly. How are you going to find out how someone feels? You just like ask. How do you feel about your body? Well, I mean, I'd like to you know be what's able your to favorite them... color and how do you feel about your body? Yeah, you, you have body a, dysmorphia. You hand them a questionnaire. You're so First beautiful. Day, but do you think you're ugly? Uh, I'd Take a quick break. We're going to continue with uh, Dr. Judy Kuriansky, Marlena Shivo, and the author of the book Everybody is Talking About, F Off Chloe, Surviving the OMGs and FMLs in Your Media Career, Jeremy Murphy. We'll continue on the other side of Midnight. Straight ahead. 
WABC. This is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Uh, hey, uh, we're just a couple of weeks removed from our gala New Year's Eve Eve party in Atlantic City. A lot of noteworthy people were there. We had uh, former Atlantic City Mayor Don Guardian, uh, journalists like uh, David Danzis, uh, uh, socialites like Sarah Postelinik. But uh, nobody was better received than Dr. Judy Kuriansky, clinical psychologist, author, and former radio talk show host, the very first WABC radio talk show hostess ever to be number one in her uh, time slot. Uh, and were you on and the station when Michael Jackson was on the station? Oh, come on. I was on WABC radio the day the music died. This is radio history. Uh, well, so, the uh, day the music died. I mean, I saw the pictures outside of the Beatles being on WABC radio, and somebody at your party was wearing a Beatles that's right. tie. That's right. That's right. That's right. As a matter of fact, Apple from Apple Records. But the day the music died, um, and this is really funny. So um, there were also the uh, there were the Yankees were on the air also at the time. And I, when the tarp would go on the field, Dr. Judy would come on the air. So we'd have sex talk on the air <laughs> when the tarp went on the field. Some woman called the station complaining and screeching, "I want to hear this talk about erections and." Premature ejaculation when I'm sitting and watching the Yankees with my son. And so I said, how old is your son? She said, 27. <laughs> that sounds like the complaint of all the parents now. Right. 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 He's got to learn, learn sometime. Marlena Shivo is here. And I'll tell you, uh, Jeremy Murphy is here. One of the most interesting things I've ever seen is uh, your explanation to Dr. Judy of FML uh, during the uh, break. So I'm oh, glad yeah. we were able to get that uh, straightened out. Uh, speaking of, of erections, Wait, I know you you're having a tough time. Is, no, we can't say it on the radio. No, you could say... Right. What well, can you say? It's F my life. There you go. Right. And oh, that's, you go. that's what the Generation Z ears yes. say. Right? I have to Google everything. Like, I, I get this. But what does that really mean? And I'm like, uh, like, that's what they say when they're like, uh, upset about something. Uh, I'm so upset. Yeah. Uh, All right. I want to get uh, the three of you to weigh in on two issues related to censorship. One supposedly from the left, one supposedly from the right. You have school districts from Pennsylvania to Wyoming that are apparently bowing to pressure from some conservative groups to review and then purge from public school libraries books about LGBTQ issues and people of color. Uh, evidently, uh, this is going to be a big midterm election year issue, and there's COVID frustrations and a big backlash against efforts to call out systemic racism driven disproportionately, according to Axios, by white suburban and rural parents that have made public schools ground zero in the culture wars. What they're saying, uh, Deborah Caldwell-Stone, the director of the American Library Association's Office for Intellectual Freedom, I've worked for this office for 20 years, and we've never had this volume of challenges come in such a short time. Another person, uh, Carolyn Foote, a retired Texas librarian of 29 years, in my former district, we might have one big challenge like every two years. I have to say that what we're really what we're seeing is really unprecedented. Uh, how big of a, a concern is this for you? Mama? Well, it is actually now it is a concern. Um, for, first of all, the reason you're seeing this wave is because so much has been kind of thrown at us for the past two years saying like this is what we're doing now in schools. This is now, you know, whether it's masks and that's the big thing. We're just going to tell parents that this is how we're going to treat your children. And part of this is sex ed. And they want and you probably would agree with this, Dr. Judy, but parent like me, who is a parent of very young children, do uh, do not want my children learning about sex at the rate that the schools want them to learn. They want them to learn what anal sex is by the time they're like in fifth grade. There's like a new curriculum <laughs> curriculum coming down through the state on this kind of thing. And then there are books that sort of like reference these types of things. And so people, there have been parents complaining to school boards saying, I don't want my kids reading this kind of book. Like I want to know whatever happened to things like, you know, death of a salesman or like flowers for Algernon. That's what I was reading. Not, I wasn't reading mm. about yeah. anal sex yeah. when I was in middle school or even high school. Also, though, in terms of libraries cleaning out books, we came back this school year to no library. They talked about a new innovation lab. 
they actually wiped out our entire school library uh, and put in gaming chairs. Uh, <laughs> this kidding. is a K through. Wow. This is K through eight. Uh, and they just kind of distributed books to the classroom, so these like these little shelves of libraries, uh, and also gave away books. And now the library is now a technology room. Yeah. Really? Yeah, and they can compete that that against cool, other yeah. schools on you know these headsets and you know whatever that whatever that is you know this VR world that everyone's living in now. So because because kids need more screens, not books. <laughs> Doctor Judy, your reaction? I'm we've seen now the spot uh, the Spotsylvania County School Board in Virginia. They've ordered the staff to remove sexually explicit books from their libraries. Uh, The Goddard School District in Kansas demanded that staff remove 29 books from the district school libraries. Washington's County School District in Utah voted last month to ban The Hate You Give. Texas school districts are scrambling to review and ban some library books after a politician there asked the superintendents to confirm whether any on uh, a list that he revealed of 850 titles were on their shelves. Is this concerning at all to you? Well, it's very concerning. I am, in response to what you were saying, Marlena, I've been one of the proponents of sex education in the schools, but there is an appropriate time for certain messages. And I think what's happened, though, is that we've really fast-tracked a great deal. So I'm not in favor of young kids learning about (laughs) anal sex, frankly, but there is a need for talking about certain issues that kids are hearing about anyway on social media and correcting Mm. those messages. So I have always said and still believe that what should be taught is healthy relationships, Mm -hmm. really, and teaching kids how to feel good about themselves, raise their self-esteem, respect their peers. That's what they need to learn under the umbrella of so-called sex education, not about... that becomes like when did parents outsource this to schools? Right. When I was growing up, right. that was a conversation my parents did for me. Right. Now it's the school's responsibility. When did that happen? Well, exactly. So and, you're okay and, with mo- removing some of these books? It sounds. I like. think it's the parents. I think that's what the parents should do. I don't think that is should be part of a public school education. I just don't. And this is something I talked about with Frank, with you, Frank, mm-hmm. when um, uh, during the the race in New Jersey between uh, Murphy and Chitterelli. And, and, you know, Chitterelli was saying there are things that are left for the, you know, for the dinner table. And Murphy kind of, you know, made a, a this comment saying, oh, I don't know what you talk about at your dinner table. And it's like, you know what, don't even make light of that because I your kids are grown or, or you don't care right. because you don't have a stake in this anymore. But it's like I don't need my child to be able to define, and this is using their language, be able to define what oral sex is by fifth grade. I'm sorry. How old are your kids? um, I have an eight-year-old and an almost five-year-old. Well, they're in a very different developmental stage. Right, but third, I have a third grader going into fourth. So by fifth grade, she's supposed to know. So by the time she's 10 years old. Yeah, that's too young. She's supposed to know. She's supposed to be able to identify what oral sex is. So when did that that become school's thing? Like, well, it's been like this woke movement, mm. yeah. right, that's happening right now where they decide this is what we need to be doing. And there's been a lot of complaints right. about this even in the gender identity zone. Now, I'm all for, obviously, LGBTQ. All I, 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 we don't yes. stop yes. at Q. <laughs> right, LGBTQIA. Yeah. I, 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 well, like no, the there's two eyes. <laughs> I know, right. There's two eyes, intersex and inquisitive, and then advocates. And you could make up any other A's, yeah. and it goes on and on. You can, and that's you fine. But, you know, they're starting to, to talk about it as young as my daughter's grade in terms of, like, these pronouns and that type of thing. And it's I mean, I understand, like, this is the world they're living in, and right. they should be aware, but at what point do kids get to just be kids for a while, and yes, then get to absolutely. ask questions, instead of having information like this shoved down their throat? That's, uh, oh, uh, did you say something shoved down their throat? <laughs> <laughs> Three of the letters that are missing from the LGBTQI acronym are OAN, and those will also be three letters that are missing from DirecTV's yeah. lineup uh, pretty soon. This is an instance of what they're claiming is liberal censorship of of conservative media messaging. There's a conservative network called One America News. DirecTV says it plans to drop the channel and you're not going to be able to have DirecTV and get OAN. Rand Paul says he's canceling his subscription to uh, DirecTV. Jeremy, do you think this is censorship or are you not bothered by this? I think it is and isn't. A lot of this is business. 
it, they're, they're arguing about the the, the uh, subscriber fee. This I don't think it has anything to do with censorship. It's a business uh, dispute, but I I'm not in favor of drop. I, I think you need a balanced. You know, you need to hear your the opposite opinion. So you should have a diversity of platforms or channels that challenge your beliefs. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't think they should remove it. Uh, Dr. Judy, what do you think? I think we always need to hear all points of view. It's ridiculous. It's un American. It's so bizarre to me. I mean, I, I travel in, I've spent years and years in China and in Russia, and I know firsthand, even to these days, what it's like for people to feel suppressed. Even in Iran, I've been to Iran several times. So now I'm, you go to uh, Iran just to get a break from all the censorship <laughs> and uptightness here. Uh, Mar- Marlena. I, I do think it's censorship because there have been complaints about them um, spreading misinformation because right. everybody keeps talking about misinformation. And so there's that. But um, who just dropped Newsmax, which is also uh, uh, Atlantic. Is right. So this group. just happened within a week of each right. other. You know, so it's hard not to think that this could very well be censorship just, of the right who is not in favor of what's going on right now. I agree with you. But just to play devil's advocate, if you're direct tv let's say you don't like a lot of the messaging that's on one american news you say look this is my uh platform and i don't like that they're telling lies about what happened with the election i I don't want them on my platform you know you have a right to say whatever you want you don't have a right to be carried by direct tv but aren't you using the public airwaves to beam your signal yeah, I guess there's a debate about whether or not uh, the people own the 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 beams that right. come out of Directv. If it's over the air, then no question. Right. Like a radio station, for instance, the public owns those. But uh, I, I think it is interesting. We've uh, gone too far with this. Indeed, really. <laughs> fair enough. No, we've gone too far well, with with people thinking that I, my opinion is the only opinion, and I'm going to shut up your opinion. And this, I see this as a psychologist, has really trickled into relationships that is really destructive. It where is, it's supposed to be when when I wrote the completed, it's got to a healthy relationship. It's about. The C's, compromise, cooperation, there is none of that anymore. One of the areas that is ripe for censorship, especially on big tech platforms, Google, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, any kind of social media, almost, is anything having to do with with COVID. We've seen this time and again, a lot of things that then turn out to be true. You used to get kicked off of uh, of uh, social media for saying, uh, Marlena, you've been very, very vocal about uh, questioning the narrative when it comes to better practices and best practices for COVID. Australia evidently has decided to let COVID rip, and there is a big debate about whether that is the right approach. Are you and your family moving to Australia? Uh, no, and I, this is so bizarre to me because Australia was like – a prison state up until like five minutes ago. I can't even believe this is coming out (laughs) of this country, right? So it's like they went into five different lockdowns because they had like this zero COVID uh, whatever umbrella that they were working with. And um, they were so strict. They still are, obviously. You know, they have a a vaccine mandate and you have to test coming into the country even if you're vaccinated. And this tennis player is getting kicked off, you know, out of the open and he's got deported and he can't come back to the country for three. I mean, all over COVID, but now they're going to just, well, they say let it rip. I say let freedom ring. I mean, are you allowed to get sick without the country, you know, um, locking you down or the government saying anything about it? I mean, I understand that COVID was a pandemic. Now we understand that there are uh, mitigation factors at play. So at what point is it your own decision to make your own health risk assessments for yourself and how do you go from being so insane to saying you're going to let it rip? Uh, Dr. Judy, any take on the let it rip approach? I, I, this this is a cognitive argument, you know, on the pro or con thing. What I'm concerned about is the escalation of fear. As a psychologist, I worry tremendously about how 
panicked people are. It's destroying relationships. It's destroying interpersonal and social relationships that people are frightened. You're going to give me something. Stay away from me. This is very negative for society. And it's planting. You have little children. Do you really, this? Do you worry about oral sex? Kid, which I agree with you about for your little kids. Little kids. Well, I worry about are, it in the hour he asked me about it. <laughs> little kids even are worried. You're going to give me used to be cooties, you know. Mm, right <laughs> now, right. you're giving me an illness that could kill me. This is so bad for relationships. Oh, it's so They're damaging. still working on a cooties vaccine, I think. <laughs> it's not mandated yet. Uh, Jeremy, you have a take on uh, Australia's training oh, approach? they just got the really bored. <laughs> <laughs> They've been locked up for two years. They're like, oh, screw it. <laughs> <laughs> but then they're like, oh, but then they're just going to make, oh, they're just going to make a case for, for more testing and more lockdowns, yeah. right? They're like, oh, their cases went up 100,000 in, the, you know, what, a month or something like that. But, but no one's talking about the obvious here. Everything about COVID was surrounded by the death, the death toll. Now it's just they, all they do is talk about cases because that's all it's come down to. You know, we're not talking about who's dying from COVID. It's about who's catching COVID, which is everybody, which is going to be all the time for the rest of time. So yes. what are we doing here? And yes, my main concern are my kids. I have been very yes. vocal about the masks in school and I'm not letting up about it. It's and so you obnoxious. Need to please talk to your children about what emotional effect this is having on them, what they're thinking about their classmates and about what they're catching, quote unquote, from their classmates or giving or even upset about themselves, about what am I doing to somebody else causing them to be sick. This is very detrimental for self-esteem and for relationships. Uh, And it's going to ruin people's young children's lives forever. One area that uh, combines a few of the different items that you've touched upon so far is this new high-tech virtual reality vest, which apparently they're calling, they're saying this could potentially be a sex vest that could let (laughs) lovers fondle remotely during steamy virtual reality sessions. I don't know if any of you have seen the movie Demolition Man, but this is what sex is like in the future in this movie. But apparently this new virtual reality vest lets you feel multiple sensations and a lot of sex tech experts think that the OWO game vest could be used for more than just realistic gaming experiences. Is it, Dr. Judy, from your perspective, uh, positive, negative, what do we think? Oh, horrific. This is just horrible. There is nothing like the touch of skin and fingers on skin. This is the essence of sensuality. It's the basis of sex therapy, is learning how to experience the senses of smell and looking all the five senses and particularly of touch. And I mean, everybody should just rub their hand, if you don't mind, on your arm right now and feel what that feels like. Come on, Jeremy. (laughs) Yeah. Feels pretty good, I must say. Yes. (laughs) But now, how is that going to work when we're in a plasticine virtual reality world? It's just, this is actually, Frank, just not new because being a sex therapist for so many years uh, now, starting at the same time as Dr. Ruth did now, in 1979 for me, I mean, this is the whole question about person-to-person versus VR, virtual reality, existed even back then. Right. There were virtual, there were love dolls, the plastic dolls that men would use instead of real women. There were virtual realities. I remember this from now 40 years ago. So it's just advanced a little bit more in technology, and I think it's awful. It's leading to exactly everything we're talking about. Jeremy, there are days where you don't feel like going out. Maybe a little uh, metaverse love is not the worst thing in the world. What do we think? I mean, I think it's the height of laziness. Mm -hmm. And the person who invented this is the one who didn't get asked out. (laughs) (laughs) And and to be honest, like... 
now this is going to go um, into the realm of uh, conspiracy theories, but if you think about it, the way this has been going with um, the virtual learning and you've got the stay at home, work from home, like now model, like no one's at the office, except for Frank, no Frank. one is at the office 24-7 and they have this excuse to stay home and work from home and now they want you to avert- have virtual sex. <laughs> it's like they just want everybody locked in their homes and they don't want them to come out Ever again. I, you know, I don't put understand. on put on your Google glasses, all those people, put it on Everybody and do it see. all lock you in. Right. Bye bye. Right. You stay there and we'll live our lives. Well right. and, and it's not just sex that is going virtual. Apparently, and this is not something that's light years down the road, this is happening now. Therapy is now virtual like crazy, and it's causing a whole bunch of problems with something called teletherapy. There's this big growth in in something called mental health apps, and they're saying that this has created a a risky industry where uh, customers' emotional data can be hacked, and no one's checking if the apps even work. So a lot of people can use these sort of this, these teletherapy things to, uh, in some cases, even get drugs. Uh, and their information is all digitally uploaded here. Right. Uh, this strikes me as uh, ripe for all sorts of abuse, right? Well, and it's also not conducive for therapy. Okay, so you have like these teledocs in general, right? And, and, and this got really popular during the pandemic. Okay. And now you have therapists who didn't want to come into the office and they decided, okay, we're going to do a Zoom of whatever. And now they're so used to it. Now that's all the therapists are doing. Um, and they... And they use the excuse and the cushion of COVID. Um, And so and then but the problem here, I see not just what you're saying about a privacy breach. It's not just a privacy of your information online. It's also a privacy of being in your home and trying to find a place to talk when there might be other people in the home because they're not going to work or school or anything else. So it's like, how do you even get proper therapy in that type of environment? It kind of waters down yeah. What you're after. Well, no? I'm the perfect person to be answering this question because I know all about this subject. I'm writing a book about it. And this is also an old story because it's been around for a really long time using technology for therapy. It's a double-edged sword. You can't just dismiss it entirely. So it is really useful in certain situations for allowing people to have access to information. For example, right now, you know, I'm, well, Frank knows I'm at the United Nations. I represent NGOs there. In order to, quote, unquote, leave no one behind, which is the whole goal of the United Nations, and for people who are not like you, those of us sitting around this table, but the people who have no money, have no access, um, and who are living in Africa and faraway places, this is very positive, using teletherapy, using apps on the phone, because most people, even though they have no food, they do have some kind of phone. And so having access to not just therapy, but health information is the wave of the future. Drones are circling around the Congo so that they can collect information about people's blood pressure in order to farm it over to doctors at Mount Sinai so they can read it. I mean, this is a good thing and positive for those people. So, you know, when you're you have to keep this big world global perspective in mind. Uh, Jeremy, any thoughts on uh, any of the potential pitfalls or benefits to digital mental health counseling? Well, I think we're becoming a fast food nation, and I absolutely agree. People who don't have access to this, absolutely. These platforms are great, but for somebody who can meet with a therapist, I think that one-to-one, that human connection is really important. Of course. Because mm-hmm. a therapist and a person can read body language, of right? Of course. Right. And, and, can, and if without that, I think it it's not as effective. You have right. to think uh, Chloe and Generation Zers in general would much prefer the telehealth Well, Ber- Bergdorf is her therapist. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to continue with Judy Kuriansky, Marlena Schiavo, and Jeremy Murphy in just a minute. But let me tell you about something that uh, can help you uh, digitally or in real life, particularly if you have digestive issues, and that is Life Change Tea. It's a great product that gives you a ton of energy without caffeine. It's a gentle daily cleanse that uh, tastes pretty good. It uh, comes in three different flavors, pomegranate, mint, and just plain old regular. It's a cold tea, but when it's eight degrees out, as it's been the last few days, you, you could certainly drink it hot as well. And it uh, really will help you if you're ever feeling 
stopped up, right? If you're ever having difficulty being regular, Life Change Tea is all natural, non-GMO. One like one package lasts you an entire month. Go to the website, getthetea.com. You can order it on there, getthetea.com. And if you order some on there and you use the promo code FRANK, you'll get to enjoy some free shipping. So while you're there, you can check out all the other great products they have. They have vitamins. They have things like bee pollen. They have pine bark extract. You name it. If it's a nutritional supplement, they sell it on there. And if you use the promo code FRANK for anything you buy, you'll get to enjoy free shipping on those too. Getthetea.com. Promo code Frank. Don't miss out on Life Change Tea. It is the tea that makes you go. WABC. We are New York on New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. We are here with our illustrious panel, including satirist, social critic, veteran media producer Marlena Schiavo. You can check out her musings on social media at Marlena Schiavo, S-C-H-I-A-V-O. And Jeremy Murphy, a public relations guru, founder of 360 Bespoke and author of the book, F Off Chloe, Surviving the OMGs and FMLs in Your Media Career. And of course, Dr. Judy Kuriansky, best-selling author, clinical psychologist, radio talk show hostess, and uh, uh, many, many other hats. Uh, Jeremy, your book, is it out now? Can people buy it? March 1st, but it's on pre-sale, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, everywhere. Everywhere. Yep. Okay, so search Jeremy Murphy. It's not, you forgot not too difficult. about Investor in Broadway. Well, I, you know, I didn't want to bring up a sore subject. I well, know Ain't oh, Too Proud closed well, yesterday. Well, it doesn't so, uh, matter because it's on the road. And I'd been down, up and down to Washington. It was playing at the Kennedy Center. It's off to Fort Myers in Florida and Fort Lauderdale. It'll be out in California. It's on the road as Ain't Too Proud. And it's awesome. It was fantastic. And yeah. also with Tina. Tina's still going. Hot. How do people like uh, going to the theater in the musical. era of uh, having to wear masks all over the place? I, well, it's done two things. One, some people don't want to go because they don't want to be surrounded by a lot of people. And and I must say that wearing the mask when you're trying to cheer and scream and you know feel like you want to effuse – um, is a little inhibiting, so I do have to uh, say that. But one thing that I and I, I'm, I haven't been to a show yet in this era, but Rachel and I are going to try and go in. Uh, in yes, March. and have I not invited you? Have repeatedly. You? I've been a little busy. Ne- a yeah, little busy. you've been a little busy, but, but, and then the baby. But let me ask right. though, seriously. So you'll come see Tina. I, I know, and, uh, and you'll go to Fort Myers. People, you go up and down on the. St- I know this. This station, fifty thousand watts. Because I did this right, I show, remember. this station, in these hours, overnights also, and it goes up and down. It is all the way to Florida, all the way up to Maine, out to Detroit, even out into the water. So that, you are being heard. We Wait. And we appreciate We have a lot of uh, listeners down there. And See? a lot of people that listen on WABCradio.com or, or, or through the uh, or go. through the app, as uh, as my friend uh, Sarah Pastelnik, who has never even heard of a radio. She's listening to us right now on uh, on the app. We're grateful for her oh, that's patronage. Great. But uh, yeah. what I was going to say is I know a lot of people have brought this up, but a friend of mine who was at a, a show recently – they talked about how they bought a uh, a glass of wine yes. during intermission just yeah. to be able to take their mask I, that, off. This is true. But they will yes. only let you take your mask, lower your mask while you're actively sipping. I guess I'm not clear, and I, and I know other people smarter yeah. than me have made this comparison. What is the benefit in terms of prohibiting germ transmission if you are allowed to lower your mask at all? And, and what what sense does it make if you are if buying a glass of wine entitles you to lower your mask? Right. Why do you have to be actively sipping to, for the privilege of lowering? And your there mask? are some concessions at the, at theaters that do allow that now. And that, but then you have the ushers walking around with the flashlight. So if they see they flash the light, you're called out. Um, and I, have you been to the movies lately? There's a movie theater on 42nd Street, which I love because you feel very regal sitting there in this big chair, you know. But there's nobody around right. you. But they serve. Pizza. Oh no, I've and seen so those. Very I popular. like the flatbed pizza. I really enjoy it, but I do it, you know, partly. I love the pizza, the flatbread, but also it allows you to take your. Meal. 
mask. Oh, it's so different now in the city. I mean, in New Jersey, you you don't have to go anywhere with a mask. Like, not the movies, not the restaurants. not So it's a different world. And so coming here is, is painful. You know, the only place you really have to wear a mask now is in a medical office. Uh, yeah. By well, the way, I saw the James Bond movie in a theater. The mask was fine. The worst part of it was the movie. <laughs> I heard it was not so good. I heard it was not. I had to Google what it meant. Oh Three God. hours. I had oh, no idea oh, what was going tell on. Tell me what it was about. I well, no, don't, I don't spoil it for really. anybody that has. I had no oh, idea. No, I had to Google. No. I was like, "What was?" Oh, thank you. I felt so weird. Thank you. I said, "Is my brain? I better take some more serifolin. What's wrong with my brain?" <laughs> I had no idea I, what was going on. Yeah, it was disjuncted. And uh, really bizarre. Yeah. I couldn't but, tell what followed the storyline, right. and it was supposed to be such a, a big hit. And actually, um, Craig came to one of my events at the UN. I was I have a photo of, of me and him at the International Day of Happiness nice. with 007, James <laughs> Bond. Maybe he, he should tell you what it was about. <laughs> and he was brought there by the woman who was the head of one of the departments of uh, anti-terrorism departments. Now, interesting Jeremy, that he I was, was involved eavesdropping in on your conversation with my colleague Rita right. Cosby before uh, the program. You you are not fond of celebrities. You're not a, a celebrity chaser, oh, uh, no, to put horrible. it mildly. Why are celebrities horrible? Isn't that a little too harsh? No. Are, are, doesn't that make you a celebrityist? No. <laughs> you know, I worked in television for 14 years, and I had to work with them. And so after a while, I, I just assumed they're all horrible, and if they were nice, I was surprised. Yeah. <laughs> I was rarely surprised. I'm sure. But speak, just a, one thing on the mask front. I know not to bring it down. I know you want to talk about hating celebrities. But um, <laughs> uh, talk about whatever you want. You talk about hating masks. But, I don't care. but you know, I, you I know, see you're wearing your a free speech T-shirt, which is quite fascinating. Why do you hate celebrities, though? I, well, I want to hear the, what Marlena was going to say on the mask. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm front. saying I agree. Like wearing a mask in, in any sort of uh, – at all is terrible. But my friend, and I was on the phone with her today. She said her son ran a track meet today, 55 meter sprint, took his mask down to run it. He got disqualified just for lowering his You're mask. You're kidding me. That's crazy. Sprint. That's crazy. In the city. That's in New crazy. York. That's nuts. That, That's nuts. That uh, do you want to address why you hate celebrities? You've just had a lot of negative. Uh, Interactions with them. You know, when you're a celebrity, you're you're so used to being told yes. Everything is yes, yes. People just kissing your butt. The minute you say no, now you're evil. And I used to have to say no to celebrities. About what? What would you say Uh, no? Some celebrity wanted um, a a model of an SUV, and I was like, "Well, that hasn't been made yet." (laughs) (laughs) Right. So. It's like it's like the devil wears oh, yeah, like that was on the their list. Yes, um, the writer. Right. I had another celebrity who um, didn't have hair, but had a hairstylist, and oh. sent a big invoice. And I'm like, you don't have hair. Right. Oh, that's fine. Well, uh, that'll do it. Yeah. Well, oh, oh, yeah, okay, but that could have trained you for the Gen Z years. Exactly. Oh yeah, exactly. Right. Gen- that's, yes. You have to look at Generation Z years as celebrities in the making. This has been a great deal of fun. Ooh. I hope we can do this again uh, soon. Dr. Judy Kuriansky, uh, you could check out her books and uh, some of her writings on her website, drjudy.com. Uh, Jeremy Murphy, you could check out his book, F Off Chloe. Pre-order it wherever books are available. And find Marlena Shivo on social media at Marlena Shivo. Thank you all. Wow. Thank you. You're the yes. best. Well, Frank, thank you. you're so good. And thank you for oh, this my. this talking unicorn. Talking I'm going to talk to him during right. the top of the hour news. Uh, I, you know, I, if, for people still listening on the radio, Frank Diaz has the news. I'm going to listen to the unicorn, though. Nothing against Frank Diaz. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about a wide variety of things, including sick days. You're not going to want to miss that. Still to come, Jeffrey.